Hey, Don. Hey, Zach. Today, the best paragraph I've read comes from Reuters in an article I read last week, and the paragraph just says this. Via the Artemis Accords, we hope that the future will look more like Star Trek and a lot less like Star Wars by getting ahead of these issues. Recently, the U.S. government has proposed these Artemis Accords. The Accords are all about how we're going to handle the moon and lower Earth orbit. The big idea is as more and more people are launching rockets into space, going to, to the moon and going to low Earth orbit, people are starting to wonder how are humans going to interact with each other, especially humans from different nations. Just two key ideas from the Accords I wanted to just let you know. The first idea is that any company that goes into low Earth orbit or to the moon will be allowed to keep any of its lunar resources. Anything that it can mine or take, it will be theirs. The other big idea is the idea of safety zones, so that if a nation sets up a lunar base, for instance, then they'll be given a certain amount of land that is basically theirs, and nobody will be allowed to go on it. I read this and just had a million questions for you, but I also wanted to get your initial take. What do you think about these Artemis Accords? Just for knowledge, they are just proposed. They still sort of need to be negotiated among an international body. But America has come out first with these ideas. So what do you think? Uh, in many ways, it reminds me of teaching APOS history, where we have free land to settlers. As long as you go west, you can take it. And the federal government just wanted these lands settled. And so you have that, which is kind of interesting. You also have the idea of established cultures trampling over existing ones, although we don't know of any existing space cultures, but I'm sure we'll do something awful to them by bringing out there. And then the last one, the one that makes me frustrated is that it doesn't matter that much because it's so expensive to go to space and it's so hard to bring things back that you'd have to be bringing back bags of diamonds to make it even worth your while. Plus, the idea of living in space is so far-fetched. Our bone density falls apart. It's not healthy for people to be in space for a year. The idea that you're going to have a Mars colony is just a waste of time and money in my mind. I mean, if you have a boat that you're going to sail around the world on, the boat takes so much money and all the parts on it break. It's a boat is a hole in the water filled with wood and you throw money into it because everything breaks because it's so hard to maintain on the water. Well, now it's on the moon. So inevitably, we're going to have some rich jerk up there who's going to have this, all this money, and we're going to have to go rescue them because the thing that they need to live is going to break, and they're going to die. So I'm a little bit bitter about space. I totally respect your short-term vision of this is a waste of money, this is a waste of time. But I'm thinking 10, 20, 30, 40 years out from now, as technology continues to change, we're already seeing billionaires starting their own space companies and launching things into space. We're already starting to see nations like China and India and Russia wanting to get their part of the moon and wanting to control their areas of low Earth orbit. All of those issues that you bring up are issues that will need to be solved and probably will be. And just as you mentioned to start, the idea of the American West and how it became an absolute slaughter and bloodbath for the Native Americans as the technologically superior nation kind of marched on onto them. And all I see with these accords is, aren't we sort of setting something like that up onto the moon where we're eventually going to have possibly a showdown among major superpowers that can make it to the moon? 
Well, and it's a, such a small group of superpowers that are going to have the money to go up there. Billions and billions and billions of dollars are going to need, be needed to go up there. So again, you have China in a pissing contest with the United States. And who else? Does Russia have the money? Russia has one aircraft carrier and it kind of works. They're not going to the moon again. Who else is up there? And this is what's interesting is you've now got maybe your friend Jeff Bezos from Amazon. Maybe Elon Musk is up there. And for the first time ever in human history, we don't even have a sovereign nation. We have a company that maybe is controlling land, if you will. And are, do they now get to be treated like a nation? I just sort of wonder about this idea of these safety zones. What happens when, let's just say China and America, the two, the two countries most likely able to get up there, when one of them maybe makes a mistake or accidentally encroaches on, on somebody's safety zone, couldn't that trigger major conflict down here on Earth because of what a few people are doing up there? Well, yeah, the same way that the Chinese in the South China Sea are patrolling in and trying to intimidate our naval ships and really a not very valued territory, but it creates real conflict here. Perhaps that would happen up there. I don't know. Maybe billionaires are better able to do that because they want to be respected and loved and they want their companies to be deemed as honorable. So they'll make better choices than countries would. Could that be the case? It's very possible. It's just that for the first time ever, there's only a few people that actually can get up there. There's a few nations and then a few individuals who at least currently are interested in putting their resources towards it. But I just think that like it's a new statement for the future. There have been reports where a lot of people think the first human trillionaire will probably end up making their money from asteroid mining or finding rare materials on the moon. I just feel like we've, we've written a proposal that is setting up a few individuals. You and I cannot start a space company. I mean, you and I don't have the intellect to do it. We don't have the financial resources. So we're already out. But like the country of Ghana also, I don't believe, has a very large space program if they have one at all. I feel like in a way we're already carving up the moon, much like Europe carved up the great African cake back during the imperialism run of the late 1800s. Well, let's say we don't have the resources yet because we have a growth mindset and uh, someday soon we'll have those resources. But here's my issue, is that you're saying technology advances so much that in 10 years that what will be impossible will be possible. Well, let's go back, let's say 20 years. 20 years ago, the big thing was we're going to have phones with uh, video phones. And it was a big buzz. And it was really exciting. And everybody wanted that. Since then, like FaceTime's come to happen and many other similar technologies. And nobody really cares that much. In fact, they kind of love and have disdain for this uh, new medium that they spend so much time on lately. But yes, that advanced tremendously. And the internet advanced tremendously in the last 20 years. But I think space travel is more like putting in subways or trains. It's almost bricks and mortar. It is developing hard things that have to go places and physical objects. And how much have subways and trains advanced in the last 20 years? Or for that matter, the last 100? We were good at making subways 100 years ago. Now it takes us forever to go two miles in midtown Manhattan. And California, with all their intelligent people and the money, can't put together their train system that they've been trying to do forever to go from LA to San, Diego, to San Francisco. So I don't think advancement's happening that quickly. I just take issue with the idea. You point out, though, you know, okay, we can't make subways or trains that go to X to Y. But I think you and I would both agree a lot of that is just due to regulation and rent-seeking behavior down here on Earth by human interest groups. 
that almost explains why space seems so interesting is there are so little regulations up there. All you got to do is have a rocket, get some people on the moon, and there's very little that anybody's going to be able to do. And look, we're on the home team. We're on the team proposing these accords. So I guess I shouldn't be that worried. But I just wonder if we as America are setting up the next future conflicts by promoting these sorts of policies. At the same time, if we're not proposing these sorts of policies, then I guess you have an even more wild west. But am I crazy to think that it's inevitable that this is going to be more Star Wars than Star Trek? It just seems like we're setting ourselves up from conflict, either from jealous individuals who want each other's mining rights on the moon or jealous nations that want certain areas or feel like, you know what, we really can't mess with each other down on Earth, but we can make some power plays up on the moon, which ultimately could then cause issues down on Earth. Well, my first problem with Star Trek is that they haven't solved the baldness problem. It's many years <laughs> in the future and the men are still bald. I would have hoped that would have been solved by then. And we're all wearing the same outfits, which actually I'm okay with. But anyway, yeah, sure. Okay, then we're going to have conflicts up there, but I don't think as much because I don't think there's that much to gain. Sure, there might be trillions of dollars of resources, but what resources could be so valuable to be up there? And if we did start a conflict, and if it did carry on down here, wouldn't you want to attack and fight up in space? Won't uh, Donald Trump's Space Force defend us? You bring up a good point about that because... A couple of months ago, Donald Trump did sort of bring in the next branch of our military, which is the Space Force. Personally, I think it was a good idea. It's very forward thinking. It's somebody who's thinking that possibly the next sort of wars, the role is over low Earth orbit, over, over the moon. And shouldn't America be thinking that way? Where do you stand on that? Well, I think it is. It does have some validity to it because without GPS, GPS systems, it's not just we wouldn't be able to use our Google Maps. Phones are coordinated through GPS. That's how they're all in the exact same time. And many other technologies depend on GPS. And so if the GPS satellites got shot down, which is not, I understand, that technically hard, it could be a major problem for in general societies. And so, yeah, it's worth defending. And that is an area that needs to be protected. At this point, it's so few players involved that for the most part, they have a detente where they say, all right, well, I'm not going to mess with your stuff. You don't mess with my stuff. We'll, we'll get through this. But it could be a bigger issue. They could meddle with that. It is maybe an area that's worth investigating. I couldn't help but thinking and kind of going back to your, your idea of America settling the West. It takes me back to those days of imperialism, of a few powerful nations on the earth sort of controlling the other areas. In this point, oh, it's the moon, it's low earth orbit. We've, we've gone beyond the earth. Do you think it's fair that just a few nations are actually going to get to decide possibly how the moon is colonized, what takes place on the moon. And, and even more so, do you think it's fair that just a few individuals with their individual companies could control that? It goes beyond just a nation state. Well, isn't that always the case? I mean, how is this different from deciding who wins tariff wars or who wins peace accords and whatnot. Isn't the big parties just doing it? They make the decisions and all the other smaller nations have to go along with this? I mean, it's just par for the course. I think if you talk to most nations, like those small Pacific islands, they're going to be overwhelmed in Kiribati by climate change. They have no choice or say in the matter. But doesn't space 
the moon, Mars, like represent hope for humanity. Every day we look out, we see the horrors of climate change, we see poverty, we see inequality, we see everything that we're not very good at or the mistakes that we've made throughout history. And then you can at least look up at the sky and you can say, you know what, it's gonna be better up there. And yet I feel like these Artemis Accords make me realize all we're gonna do is just turn space into another earth with lots of human problems. And it makes me, I guess, just kind of feel down a little bit. Should I feel differently? No, I don't think space is the great hope. I think it's so impractical, even 10 years from now, to actually move people up there. And are we talking about moving 5, 10? Because if so, who cares? If we're going to move a million people up there, that could make a difference. But we have 7 billion down here. There's no way that many people go up there. It's a cop-out. You should take care of your business here. It's like the high school kid that has tons of problems and thinks going to college is going to solve everything. No, it's not. Your problems are still there. They're your problems. They come with you. And now that you're here with more freedom, it's certainly not going to get better. In fact, it'll probably get worse. How is this different up in space? You're right. Your problems go wherever you are. But I think there's just always that romantic vision of untamed land, untamed area, somewhere where humans haven't gone and, and laid their finger on it. And it just seems like, don't you think humans could maybe find a way to make it different up there? Or is that just way too Pollyanna and there's no, there's no way we can't make space like it is down here? I think that it's a better model to think of the way it is in Antarctica where you have a research station populated by people from many different nations who are all working together to some degree and at the same time a little bit solitary because they're trapped there for six months every year. And they, for the most part, collaborate. And it's such a hostile environment. Nobody's really settling there, but they are living there and they are doing research. And I think that's a better model of what space can be. Think, think, to think of it as a utopian future for humanity, a little bit puts the uh, cart before the horse and it's not even worth thinking about at the moment. That's a really good point about Antarctica. I've, I've totally, in all my readings about these accords, did not think about that. And I guess you could say for the last 50, 60, 70 years, people have just kind of stayed in their area. You see lots of different national research bases and everybody seems to be getting along. Do you think then ultimately who cares about these accords? Or do you think it is important for America to start planning for this. I think it's important to start getting on it because when you think about emerging technologies and like when the internet first came to fruition and people were writing the, how is this gonna be distributed? And how, who's gonna decide the domain names? And how are things are gonna go? The way it was originally organized is for the most part, the way it's still organized to my understanding. And so the original framers have a tremendous impact on what the long run looks like. So to plant your flag and say, we think this is the way it should be, that's a good call because you can get on the ground running and now people have to talk to you if they think they're going to change the rules or they want different rules. So I don't think it's a bad idea to get started. It just seems like an idea that's going to be of my children's time or my children's children's time or some degree therein. Are you worried at all with the idea that we're going to give up parts of the moon or low earth orbit to an individual? Do you think that, for instance, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, they should still have to follow certain protocols or rules or regulations by the U.S. government? Or if they get up there and they fund their own base, they sort of become their own sovereign nation outside of America. Do you think that's a fair idea for them? 
I guess so, but aren't they going to have to come down here and spend their money doing something? They're not just going to live exclusively up there. They're still going to, for the most part, need a home base. In addition, maybe they own it, but don't they have some sort of end? Is it like a copyright of a drug? Is it like a property that you own forever and you pay taxes on? If so, who do you pay taxes to? What if theoretically they were to be attacked by China or some other nation that's on the moon? Do we as America have to come to their aid? I mean, we've seen the precedent that when international corporations of America get attacked or have issues in other nations, our government steps in. We saw the East, uh, East India Trade Company in Great Britain essentially sort of dominate India for many years during that period. And given that we have individuals now with so much money, so much power, so many resources, I just wonder if that's something that we need to start thinking about as a nation. Well, to be, if I'm correct, and I believe I remember correctly, the East India Trading Company is the most valuable corporation ever. At one point, it was worth more than Amazon is now, plus Microsoft, plus whatever. They're just huge. And so in some ways, the country of the United Kingdom was the East India Trading Company. Now, would the United States go to bat for Amazon? To some degree, I think they would on tariffs, but in other degrees, not so much. Maybe it depends on who the president is. But would we bail out people? Yes, absolutely. When coronavirus hit, the United States was flying planes all over the world to bring people back. We'll do a lot of things to help people. But again, now am I ta are my tax dollars bailing out billionaires who are stuck in space? I, I don't really think that's great. But at the same time, I guess I can understand it. Should they pay for it? How could they pay for it? Or is it possible that your sons or my daughters are, are drafted into the military? To, because of an issue that starts in space. And it starts because of some individual who has American citizenship, but their own sovereign nation on the moon. It just seems like I could see our government, saying, no, we need to step up. This is an attack on us, even though, no, this is an individual. Yeah, I guess that's a point. I mean, I just can't see an armed battle. I mean, we haven't had a naval battle in 80 years in our, in our world. We haven't had a face-to-face -face conflict like a real open war in quite some time other than the military actions in Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, and Afghanistan. These weren't declared wars where there were drafts. I just can't see having a big war. But if we did, yes, I could see that happening. It would be, be upsetting. I, I read this and I couldn't decide. I love space. I know some people think space is, is a waste of money and time when we have tons of problems here on Earth to consider. I totally get that. But when I read that, I, I just kept thinking, what sorts of future problems does this cause? And I guess I could say, well, hey, I'm an American, therefore at least I'm going to be leading the discussions. But I also just wonder if, is it fair for the rest of the Earth or the rest of humanity? Because the moon seems like it's everybody's, right? It, nobody gets to claim the moon. And yet I feel like we're, we're taking that first step to say, this is how the moon is going to be divided up. And very few of you are actually going to get to have any sort of say in it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, let, to start with your beginning point, and let's be clear here, the, uh, this is a Zach Abiel favorite. Zach loves space always has i have been somewhat into space my wife hates space with a blinding passion she thinks it is a waste of time and money and from her angle i will argue that well if we invest all this in space what could be solving down here if billionaires follow the model of bill gates 
then they give it all away solving earthly problems here. How much is the Gates Foundation spending for each life they save? Like 50 bucks, 100 bucks per life. That's amazing. And they're using all these billions of dollars that he has to solve these problems. Would future billionaires hopefully be as generous, as selfless as that? Or are they just going to go into space for their glory to send a Tesla up there and say, wow, there's a Tesla circling the world. Woo! But I guess the problem is we already know there are billionaires trying. Not all of them are, are taking the Bill Gates playbook. And as we know, when innovation and technology continue, they will control the conversation. And unless a government gets ahead of it and thinks about it and, and decides how does it want to feel and act upon it, people are still going to keep doing it. Therefore, if we've got these individuals going up there without any sort of policy, it sort of leaves us behind. It's kind of like the current conversation about whether or not we need to regulate social media and internet companies like Google, Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft. Our government seems behind on that. We can't decide what we want to do. Well, here we are now in space. We've got people literally getting up there and we don't seem to have a plan. So this seems to be an idea. And don't you think we need to deal with it? But I also just wonder, doesn't everybody need to have a seat at this table? I guess they could have a seat at the table, but they could also probably sell their seat to the Russians or the Chinese or whomever they want. It's like saying, having everybody come down and decide how we're going to be a, build a cruise liner. Well, if you're from Ghana, you probably don't care much. and you, you may not even show up for the vote. It's not something that everybody can be involved in. Could the United Nations dictate it? They did it well, as the article referenced in like space trash legislation, but that's more practical and short run. I don't know how they tackle the long run. Well, and they did come out and say the only nation that has come out critical so far is Russia. They felt like they were left out of the planning committee to decide these accords. They sort of called this a coalition of the willing. They mentioned words like war in Afghanistan, war in Iraq, and look how those turned out for America. Not everybody obviously is going to be believing in this. So I guess the next question is, what if we decide these are the space accords and nobody else agrees to them? Then what? I don't know. Then we, uh, we just make a bold declaration and keep moving on it. Maybe people will have to follow our lead or at least respect us. Or is possession nine-tenths of the law? And if we plant our flag somewhere floating in this space, then we can own that? Who's going to enforce it? It's a great question. They're all great questions. And I guess we'll have to sort of maybe leave it on that. I can't decide if I'm really reactionary. Again, I read this article and I had all this feeling. I know I texted you all of these thoughts and I know that you just sort of were like, I'm not sure if this is even on the radar of what people are thinking about, especially in the age of COVID and stuff like that. But there's just so many possibilities to it. I guess it will just be very interesting to see over uh, the next 40 to 50 years of our lives. And as you said, this probably isn't our issue, but I could see it being our kids' issue. Well, I think it's the hope and the distraction. And that's the aspect of this article, which is interesting, is to think about another aspect of society, another aspect of the future, something that is far removed and possible, and that the infinite is out there. And I think that's a big American thing is, the infinite is out there. We can go to the moon. We can go across the ocean. We can build this thing. And so it's the next step. You know, if you did a transatlantic or uh, the railway that went across the nation, that was a huge deal and it changed the game for a lot of things. Well, maybe this is the next one. It's just 100 years later. But I think it's more like 150 or 200 years later. Focus on now. I, I do think that's a good point. You see a lot of sci-fi writers that will write about space, but a lot of their messages become 
stop thinking about whether or not we're going to terraform Mars and maybe just think about the carbon count and the oxygen levels of Earth. And I, uh, you know, worry about what we have today. And I do think that's a good point. Well, we can at least think about the future and it'll be something for you to dream about as you lay your head on your pillow tonight. That's true. That's true. Well, as always, a pleasure to talk to you, a pleasure to get your thoughts. Your Antarctica point does really make me feel better. I'm going to say that. All right. Until Good. Found a nugget of there. All right. Well, hey, have a great weekend and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Don. Good chat with you, Zach. Thanks. Bye-bye.